Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan. And I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me. And you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Billboard.com Pop Shop Podcast. My name is Keith Caulfield, and I am the co-director of charts at Billboard. And joining me, as always, is Billboard's deputy editor, Digital, Katie Atkinson. Hi, Katie. Hey, Keith. How are you? Good. You? Good. Did you have an exciting weekend? I did. Do anything fun? Just had a nice long week with my family, which was delightful. I believe you went to a amusement park? Maybe Disneyland? Maybe. <laughs> I will not grill you on the podcast about Disneyland, <laughs> though it is one of my favorite things. And it was my first trip with uh, my seven-month-old son. That was pretty cool. So did you get to see Mickey, maybe? No Mickey, unfortunately. Oh. We weren't there early enough to see Mickey. That's all right. <laughs> Seven-year-old niece and nephew saw Mickey, though. That's the important thing. Okay, well, that's fine. <laughs> um, well, as always, the Billboard Pop Shop Podcast is your one-stop shop for all things pop and Disneyland on hmm. Billboard's weekly charts. In addition, you can always count on a lively discussion about the latest pop news, fun chart stats and stories, new music, and guest interviews with music stars and folks from the world of pop. Today on the show, we've got news about Drake, Cardi B, The Weeknd, and Beyonce. Plus, we have an interview with AJR. The brother trio talk all about their huge alternative hit, Sober Up, with Rivers Cuomo, their current tour, and much more. So stick around for that. But first, before we get started, if you enjoy the podcast, subscribe to the show on iTunes or your favorite podcast provider so you won't miss an episode. And if you want to explore more podcasts from Billboard, visit billboard.com slash podcast it's as easy as that <laughs> so maybe we should hit some headlines over on billboard.com please uh first and foremost a brand new drake song called nice for what arrived friday evening and quickly lit up the internet not only did he drop the upbeat lauren hill sampling song but he also shared an accompanying video featuring a slew of a-list ladies yes we have uh, rashida jones we have ballerina misty copeland we have Issa ray tracy ellis ross Tiffany Haddish, Olivia Wilde, and they were doing everything from swimming to riding horses. Sure. Any other number of cinematic things. Um, the energetic, party-ready, nice-for-what features production by Canadian producer Murda Beats and samples Lauren Hill's song X Factor from 1998. Um, well, I think it's interesting that Drake dropped this uh, song on Friday and... He timed it, seemingly, to drop it on Friday, and there's an official music video that is sure to get a bunch of views. See, it's beautiful. I want to see it again. There's a pun. Views. Hashtag views. Hashtag views. Um, well, could the track enter straight in at number one on next week's Billboard Hot 100 chart? I mean, it could. Could it? Uh, we, we. I don't have numbers quite yet, people. It's but, a little early. But considering it's Drake, 
And considering that he dropped the single and the video, and a video that's probably going to get a lot of eyeballs on it, on the first day of our sales and streaming tracking week for the Hot 100, it would lead you to think that it was a well-thought-out release. Yes. Um, And if it performs as well as God's plan did, well, then maybe we could see Drake debut at number one with Nice For What and bumping himself from number one because, oh, by the way, God's plan is still number one this week. (laughs) So he could be one of those few artists that replaces themselves at number one um, if assuming Nice For What uh, debuts at number one. So we shall see. I mean, it's also as like upbeat and poppy as, you know, God's plan and other Drake, you know, radio friendly songs. So we will see indeed. Um, Next up, we just mentioned this uh, this lady, Cardi B. She is officially pregnant. There were rumors traveling around online for, you know, weeks, but you can never trust the rumors. And it came straight from Cardi herself this past weekend uh, on Saturday Night Live. As she performed Be Careful, which was her second song of the night, she uh, they kind of did like a, a first shot of her straight on with some lighting magic that just, you know, made her look like her typical Cardi silhouette in this beautiful white gown. And then they shot the rest of the performance basically just like her bust up. And then they panned out slowly, and all of a sudden you could see this beautiful baby bump. She got pregnant in less than a minute. Yeah. <laughs> it all happened right on stage. Maybe it was like a trick where they did like under lighting and top mm-hmm. lighting so that so there are no shadows so on the there's bump. no shadows maybe and she was wearing an all white gown it was a fitted gown too yeah. and i mean like i said like it was like you know you could see her curves etc but no bump mm. but then all of a sudden there was a bump um you know the the reaction was immediate with uh with fans and celebrities and everybody just reacting online to um to the reveal uh cardi of course is engaged to offset from migos it is their baby uh and i'm like i'm assuming it's his baby, yeah, it is right? his <laughs> yes and uh they got engaged last october um and after the snl credits rolled offset shared his happiness on instagram thanking fans for the support and saying we feel so blessed. So when Beyonce revealed her pregnancy on the MTV Video Music Awards. With Blue Ivy, yes. What, which would have been her first mm-hmm. child. Did people have rumblings that she was pregnant? Or was it like a total surprise? I don't remember there being rumblings until she literally arrived at the VMAs. Oh, the, she walked the red carpet. Oh, yeah. I was on the red carpet. Mm-hmm. And suddenly, I mean, I didn't see her physically because of where we were stationed on the carpet. But suddenly that was like spreading like wildfire. Like, Beyonce's pregnant. But yeah, I don't think that it was uh it was whispered about before hmm. then yeah yeah I, she's good at keeping secrets that one that beyonce <laughs> you don't see her very much i mean in and when she was pregnant with the twins and and came out on instagram i don't think that there was talk about that one either yeah i don't think anyone had actually seen her it's in public. nuts we're like wait wasn't she just on t-? well anyway yeah um <laughs> well speaking of cardi uh you know her pregnancy reveal came a day after her debut studio album was released um the set which is titled invasion of privacy there's there's some sort of interesting commentary there <laughs> um it's, it's actually aiming for a number one bow on next week's billboard 200 albums chart according to industry forecasters uh, prognosticators suggest, and this is a story that I wrote actually on Saturday, the day after the album came out. So, you know. The numbers will update. Yeah. Um, at that point, um, prognosticators thought that the album could start between like, with like 160 to 210,000 equivalent album units earned. Um, I have a feeling that, that number, that sort of range will shrink down. Right. So, like, don't be kind of miffed if it doesn't hit 210. <laughs> 
Um, if you know if it's actually like 195, that's still in the range. It's yeah. just hard to predict anything after first day, especially with something that's so streaming heavy. Yeah. Um, and also for something that doesn't have any physical sales yet because it's only out on digital download. Um, I think a CD version is coming at some point later. Don't know when. Um, <laughs> interesting fun fact here. If she debuts at number one, she'll be just the fifth female rapper to have a number one on the Billboard 200 albums chart. Surprised you didn't do a quiz, Katie, for this. Eh, you know. <laughs> um, following Nicki Minaj, Foxy Brown, Eve, and Lauren Hill. Nice company. I feel like I would have gotten three out of four of those. Uh, you would Sorry, have, Foxy. I was going to say you would have missed Foxy. <laughs> yes, I probably would have missed yeah. Foxy. Uh, so finally, Coachella is this weekend. And also features the weekend. Yeah. yeah. Um, he's headlining along with Eminem and Beyonce. Once he, it feels like we're talking a lot about a lot of the same names today. Yeah. Beyonce, who is uh, making up for her missed performance last year due to her pregnancy with her twins with Jay-Z. Hmm. She was around uh, seven months-ish pregnant during uh, Coachella 2017 since she ended up giving birth in June. Um, we already mentioned that Cardi B... Uh, she is pregnant, and she will be performing at Coachella this weekend. We assume. Despite her pregnancy, she's planning to perform. Um, but she doesn't seem to be as far along as Queen Bee. We don't know. She has not said specifically mm-hmm. when she's due, etc. Mm-hmm. But, um, uh, you know, if you'd like to listen to those rumors again, it seems more like July or August for her. So... That means that she's not quite far as far along and also has only one baby in there, unlike Beyonce. So she could be like five or six months pregnant. Yeah, I think something like that. Which is still crazy impressive, everybody. Like, who knows how she's going to feel that day. I don't well, know. Well, I mean, we just saw her performance right in Alive and she... And did... she looked and, and, yeah, seemed great. Yeah. Um, so the festival is this Friday through Sunday in Indio, California. And then the following weekend. Right. Plus the second weekend, which will take place April 20th to 22nd. And uh, both weekends will be live streamed on YouTube. For the eighth year in a row. Hmm. Yes. Speaking of Coachella, one of the festival's headliners, as Katie just said, The Weeknd, makes big news on the Billboard 200 Albums chart this week as his new release, My Dear Melancholy, comma, bows atop the list. There's a comma at the end of the title. Oh, no. I didn't know that. There is. I was on vacation. Um, <laughs> now I know. <laughs> uh, it scores uh, The Weeknd his third straight number one album on the tally following 2016's Starboy and 2015's Beauty Behind the Madness. I'm kind of wondering um, if the comma means there's going to be like another installment of this project where it leaves, it picks up where the comma left off. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. Like, my dear Melancholy, let me tell you something. You know, and like yeah. it's, it's like a and story. And the fact that it's like a six song situation. Like maybe we'll get another six song. Is it going to be like John Mayer, The Search for Everything rollout? Could be. Interesting. Could be. Um, well, as Katie said, it's a six song set and it arrives with 169,000 equivalent album units earned in the week ending April 5th, according to Nielsen Music. Um, that start for the weekend, 169,000. Um, that's the third biggest week of 2018 for any album, following Justin Timberlake's Man of the Woods and Migos's Culture 2, and the largest week for an R&B album since The Weeknd's own Starboy hmm. debuted at the end of 2016. Fun fact, My Dear Melancholy is the shortest album by track count to reach number one since 2010. That year, Glee, The Music, Journey to Regionals, which also had just six tracks, also topped the list. Do you know, Katie? And you will not know. So let's do a quiz, Katie. <laughs> yes. It's not on the script. What was the last album by sort of a sort of normal artist, non-TV soundtrack to have just six tracks and be mm. number one? Megan Trainer. Uh, new. No. Okay. That was a full-length album. 
Oh, it didn't. Was it her? Did she start out with that title? She EP? started out with a title EP, which didn't go to number oh, one. Oh, it wasn't. Number it only one. went to number one when the full length came out. I don't know. It was actually MTV Mashups presents Collision Course. Ah, Linkin Park and Jay Z. Jay Z and Linkin Park. It was number one at the end of two thousand four, and it had just six tracks wow. in it. In other weekend news, all six of the tracks on his My Dear Melancholy album debut on the Hot 100, including Call Out My Name, which arrives at number four, giving The weekend his eighth top ten single. Is it hard for you to not say Call Me By Your Name when you say Call Out My Name, the did weekend I, song? Did I say Call Me By Your no, Name? No, but I found that every time I'm reading or editing a story that I see that and it like catches me off guard because I think it's supposed to be Call Me By Your Name. That, I... <laughs> That would be great if he did that. Yes. I mean, I mean Timothy Chalamet has been uh, sort of name-checked, you know, Kid Cudi. Tyler, Cuddy. the creator. Tyler, the creator, name-checked him in his uh, latest song a few weeks ago. Love it. Yeah. Anyway. So now it's time for our interview with AJR. We had Adam, Jack, and Ryan on the show a year ago, and a lot has changed for the brothers since then, including the release of their album, The Click, and their rock radio hit, Sober Up, featuring Weezer's Rivers Cuomo. The guys talk all about the song's crazy trajectory since its Billboard.com debut back in June, all the way to the top of our alternative songs chart this year. They're currently on tour, and they talk all about what has changed on the road now that they have a hit under their belts, and much, much more. <laughs> so let's take a listen to our interview with AJR. Hello to Adam, Jack, and Ryan of AJR, and welcome back to the Billboard Pop Shop Podcast. Thank you for having us. Of course. So much has changed in the year. Oh my goodness. So much. <laughs> well, first of all, congratulations on the success of Sober Up. Thank you so um, much. It went top 40 on our adult alternative songs chart. It has earned more than 32 million on-demand streams in the U.S., and it topped our alternative songs chart. Uh, what is it about this song that is just connecting with people? We're trying to figure it out. <laughs> yeah. I mean, seriously. Um. I don't know. I think lyrically and musically, it's two different things. I think musically, we, we're always playing with the idea of like surprising people. Mm. I think that just naturally when you're listening to music, you want to hear a formula. You hear, you know, and you think a big drop is coming. Sure. And so we kind of like to play with what people's assumptions are going to be and then throw, instead of a huge drop, throw a little like classical cello. Some strings in there. instead. Exactly. So <laughs> that was kind of the idea. And then what, what do you think about the lyrics? What do you think like resonates with people? So for the lyrics, the idea was, I mean, the idea came when Ryan and I were in college. Uh, we did our first couple of semesters at Columbia mm-hmm. and we were experiencing the whole college vibe, going to parties and doing that sort of thing. And then there was a time where we kind of just started getting depressed a little mm-hmm. bit. We kind of started getting sad because we felt a little bit too grown up because one of the things we kind of pride ourselves on are just staying young and you know right. just having that kind of little kid experience and we thought that we just felt a little bit too adult and we kind of wanted to go back to that feeling we used to have in elementary or middle school where we kind of just like liked a girl and that's all there was to it I just like this person without having all of that other baggage that comes along with it so we thought we'd kind of write a song around that around kind of me calling my second grade crush and saying <laughs> I kind of want to go back to the feeling we used to have. And I think that's honestly something everyone can just relate to. I, I, I don't think I've ever met a person that doesn't feel the need to go back to being young. Yeah, absolutely. And That'd be so nice. Yeah. Right? See, there you go. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, really, when I wake up each day, I'm like, what do I have to do? Yeah. <laughs> what crap am I dealing with at work? Like, what, what drama am I dealing with? Couldn't I just go back to, like, you know, doing, like, Crayola crayons and right. right. It's going back to just simpler, easier yeah. times. With yeah. this song, you can. Yeah, <laughs> I feel like we make a conscious effort in our lives to 
keep that alive. Like mm. we try to jump on beds as much as like possible. An un, like an unhealthy effort. <laughs> we like jump ba- on We baby everything. talk usually <laughs> in interviews, you know, yeah. Um, you know, the, the sort of craziest part of the success of the song is that, you know, actually I think Billboard premiered it like mm-hmm. in, in June, June mm-hmm. of last year. Yeah. And then um, it got picked up by sort of alternative radio, like October, September-ish. And then it started to move up the charts. Um, but, you know, and now this week, the song is sort of going, as we say, going to top 40 radio. Right. Um, as we're recording this this week. Um, it, has it been sort of weird to sort of see this transition, um, you know, sort of from like where you started at top 40 to sort right. of move into alternative radio? Like, I, yeah. We were actually talking about this yesterday. I think one of my biggest like pet peeves in the industry is when people limit their music taste to a genre. Mm-hmm. I think it's become really common for people to say, I just like pop music. And, and if I hear an alternative song, I'm not going to like it because it's not pop. Right. And right. I or think, I hate pop or, music. Or I hate pop music. Yeah. And if it's, if it's alternative, that's all I'm listening to. And I think that's very unhealthy because music is becoming so diverse and so strange recently. And it's so great. And and I think that this kind of just proves that people just can't say that anymore because people have embraced it in the alternative genre and it's about to go to pop and we've seen people start to embrace it there. So I think it's really great that we get to be an example of someone who's breaking down those yeah. boundaries. On the other side of that, though, this song has been exposed to so many more people than we've been exposed to for with our past couple singles that when we do live shows, we really see such a difference. We see um, the age range getting a lot wider when we go out on shows and we see like... Um, we see a lot of guys in the audience, which is crazy for us. And, um, yeah, it's just really cool to see more and more people getting excited about the show. And the tour we're on now, which is crazy that it sold out, um, is, I think, because of because of going to alternative yeah. radio. And they're a very active audience who wants to know a lot more than just about the one song that they hear. So they might go and listen to the album and then go and participate in the show. I was, we, we were actually talking about this, you know, because I work in the charts department. I'm the co-director of charts. I say that as if it's like something super important. I, I it sounds it's important. It's very important. Yeah. Super important. Um, I say that for context because in our department, because there's more than a dozen of us, we've been talking about the success of this song and how it's so unusual for an act that it had established itself at Top 40 to actually transition to alternative radio right. and actually have a number one hit. That. That really doesn't happen. You see happen. the other you way. You see it the other way around. Yeah. People have told like, us that Like, Bare Naked Ladies yeah. will have an alternative hit, and then <laughs> right. they'll move with one week. Or something will start alternative and then spread to Top 40, because that's what Top 40 does. It collects all the biggest hits from all the different genres. Right. But you went the other way around, which is so super weird. Right. Um, and... It's just, we're like, we're still trying to wrap our heads around it. Like, how did they pull that off? So, yeah, yeah I, I think, I don't know. I think while we that were writing the question, it was more of just like a general. <laughs> wow. it, it's really it's, interesting. Yeah. yeah. While we were writing the album, we didn't really think about genre at all. We, we didn't think, oh, this still works so well at alternative. And we just kind of thought, let's make the a weird album that we would want our favorite artists to make. You and know? Sober and, Up wasn't meant to be a single either. Exactly. Yeah. We, we, yeah, we got Rivers Cuomo. We'll tell the story of that, but it was just. We're just such fans of Weezer. We never, literally never crossed our mind. This will work great at alternative radio. Like, it wasn't like plotting behind the scenes. Exactly. Um, Yeah, and I guess if there's a lesson there, it's just don't think about genre. Like Jack was saying, it's kind of an unnecessary restriction. Just think about making your type of music, finding your voice and saying something unique, and maybe it'll be embraced by everybody. And whoever gravitates towards it will gravitate towards it if... Pop programmers want to play it, they'll play it. If alternative programmers want to play it, they'll play it too. Yeah, it's especially weird. And then I'll shut up because you, you want to ask more questions. But, <laughs> you know, it's not just, it's, it's yes, it's cool to have this sort of great idea of like, well, let's just make the music we want to make and let's just make whatever. I'm like, that's cool and all. But people who program radio don't have that kind of open mind sometimes. Mm, and so the fact that alternative rock radio programmers, like the K-Rocks of the world, were like, yeah, we'll take a chance on this. 
That's so that so like kudos to rock radio. Yeah, I mean, yeah, like, yeah. Let's let's totally do this. Okay, Katie. Well, a huge piece of that obviously is the involvement of Rivers, Rivers Cuomo, Cuomo, who right. was an alternative radio favorite um, with Weezer. So you know, tell us that story. How did he end up on this song? Yeah, sure. Um, he was our second grade teacher. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 You guys jump on yeah. together. He was there when I was born. He's, yeah, no. Um, but uh, he actually wrote to us on Twitter. He followed us. Uh, because he liked our last single week. He was a big mm. fan of it because he really loves pop music. Yeah. He kind of just goes through Spotify and just looks at He's like a topic. pop savant, too. He like loves he loves it. the. the yeah. yeah. So, anyway, he was a big fan of Week and he told us that. And we said, I mean, we've been fans of Weezer our entire careers. We've just super looked up to their image. We've kind of based our image kind of around them being these nerdy guys uh, saying something <laughs> that's unusual for nerds to be right. saying, you know. But anyway, we said, hey, man, would you like to write together? Not expecting anything to happen. And he said, absolutely. And we had Sober Up written minus the bridge. And we said, this sounds kind of Weezerish. Let's Let's send it to him. And he wrote My Favorite Color Is You, which just was amazing. The perfect fit for the song. Mm-hmm. And that was it. We didn't even meet him until months after the album came out crazy twitter yeah. has been a big deal for you guys because last time you were here we were talking about sia just yeah. hit me up on twitter that's really been helpful thank you twitter <laughs> Thanks, yeah. twitter. Wow. <laughs> twitter is good for some things right yeah. Yeah. aside from the constant barrage of criticism and you yeah know, well, we don't need to worry about that part people yeah and sometimes it <laughs> right. actually make it makes great you know songs happen which right. is unusual <laughs> um after the success of you know the song obviously with rivers has anyone else from like the world of rock you know, approached you guys and be like, yo, yeah. love the Rivers song. You yeah. want to write Absolutely. together? It's very, very cool. Wait, I feel like we shouldn't mention names. No, or... we can't mention names, but they're, they're <laughs> you know, because there's nothing is confirmed. We love for you to, but you don't have I mean, to. You know, nothing is confirmed, but there are, yeah, there have been a couple of huge alternative names that have either asked to just write with us for their project. Um, or the Rivers song. Like, oh, yeah, that's a, yeah, or just do remixes. And uh, mm-hmm. yeah, that's actually a good point. Rivers just put out his first solo a single a couple days ago called Medicine for Melancholy and uh, we co-wrote and produced that with him and he kind of wrote to us and he said hey I have this new song that I want to put out and it was just a scratch demo he said I want I want you guys to produce this up and co-write this with me and I want it to sound like your album like wow. I love the sound of the click Damn. like I want it to sound like an AJR song we were like oh my god <laughs> so what's, what feels cool about that is we were like you said very much an outsider in the alternative community are we going to be embraced or not but what's kind of cool is he's a staple of the alternative mm. community right. and now we're kind of in a way a trendsetter in mm-hmm. that and if we can influence that community and be a leader in any way how cool is that there you go you, know? you were like we want to be like Weezer and now Weezer's like we want to be like AJR right? <laughs> yeah. perfect it's just, it's just so crazy like it's considering awesome. like where you were a year ago to like what has happened and what has transpired in the past year yeah ridic- I mean it's like ridiculously awesomely cool you know <laughs> we're, ki- we're kind of in this position where it is so crazy and we've kind of adapted that mindset of anything can happen now so we're yeah. kind of just like going with it whatever's coming up we're just like yeah let's do that yeah. now you Here know comes that shot egg you know collaboration <laughs> right exactly yeah, <laughs> yeah. it yeah. feels like we're almost at like the tipping point here like for the last 13 years we've been going up the roller coaster now we're kind of going over the top and it's a really refreshing cool feeling right, but not on our way down you know you know the uh, you know the metaphor <laughs> I mean, the hills are fun though that's yeah. the fun part of the roller coaster yeah i feel like because we we worked at it for like 13 years and for 13 for what uh, eight or nine of those years See, the it fact was is you're, you're all like 18 so stop yeah <laughs> that's really accurate <laughs> okay 23 i'm old he's 28 7 27 24 yeah and 20 so yeah, yeah. Oh, you see thir- okay so you start when you were seven 
Yes. Seven or eight, yeah. I was going to say, all of you are so fresh-faced. Like, I don't... Like, when you're like, 13 years, I'm like, so when you were an embryo. <laughs> yeah. No, we started out... I think we talked about this last time. We started yeah. out street performing. Yeah. And, yeah, there are videos of seven-year-old me running around don't on the street. Don't you love that? Yeah, I love that. Yeah. Haunting you forever. <laughs> it is haunting me, yeah. But it's a... Yeah, for a while, it's, hey, everybody, tell your friends about this. Like, get, spread the word. And then you reach a certain point where it feels really cool. Like, oh, people are people actually know. telling their friends about it. Yeah, yeah. it's like actually working. You talked a little bit about the lyrics of the song, but, um, you know, they're very nostalgic and reminiscent of this simpler time in your life. Uh, what, in the context of that, what does that phrase sober up mean to you? Right. I had the idea of sober up written in my notes for a couple of years, and I just liked the idea. I didn't know even what it meant. We were going to give it to, like, a party band, right? We were yeah. going to give it to, like, Hoodie Allen or Time Flies or something. <laughs> it, was, it was more of a party concept. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then we were actually in L.A. We wrote the song in L.A. at a friend's house, um, and we were, had no idea what to write about. And I think we just, at the same time, we started playing the jum, 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 jum of the chorus, and we were just came up with this concept, and I was looking through my notes, and I found Sober Up, and then we were like, this is just the perfect metaphor for this. I think it came together really quickly. It was definitely the shortest song. Uh, it took the uh, the shortest to write mm. on the entire album. I think we wrote the whole thing in like 30 minutes. Yeah. Whoa. Yeah. yeah. That's nuts. Yeah. <laughs> I just realized you're wearing the hat that was in the video, right? Or is this yeah. a different hat? Oh, it's the same hat. The same, same hat I've been wearing for about five years. This hat also came years. to the studio a year ago. I, like, oh, I'm sure it did. Yeah, this, this doesn't... Yeah. I, I should have been more eagle-eyed. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I'm surprised you didn't remember it. That's interesting. Yeah. Like, I should be... I should, I'm like, you were wearing that shirt too, weren't you? <laughs> no, I don't think you were. I don't, I don't think so. so. Um, you, the production of the song is pretty epic too. It's just the strings and the group sing-along and the and River's Bridge and um, you, know, you kind of layer all these things together. Right. Um, what was it like putting that song together and stacking up all these different elements? It's one of the most so- uh, fun songs to do production-wise. Yeah, but do you remember it, it was very easy to write but hard to produce? Yeah. We didn't know. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we knew we had like a basic demo while we were writing it. We knew there was going to be cello and we knew there was going to be like guitar and like that kind of clap thing. Mm-hmm. We tried it in all these different ways. We and, like, scrapped a bunch of versions and started from for, started from scratch. Yeah, for a while it was like very like um, almost like Viva La Vida by Coldplay mm-hmm. where it was like really ethereal with a lot of strings and like four on the floor. And then, then it started feeling too folky. We went like a like very too lumineersy. Lumineers, yeah, exactly. And no, then no, no shade to lumineers. No, no, no. <laughs> but but it, if people heard it, they would be like, "Oh, is that AJR?" We really wanted like a unique sound that felt AJR. And then we found somewhere in the middle that felt like Weezer. It felt like Vampire Weekend with the classical stuff. We we just found like this nice middle ground that mm. felt unique. And the recording process of the cello is interesting because you had a live cello in there, right? Yeah, and then we realized it it didn't capture the right feeling. Mm. So we ended up going with like an artificial cello that had a way more jump, 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 like very percussive. And now you can reverse engineer it and perform it with a live cello and bring it all back. I'm so glad this is recorded because you're using so many sound effects with your mouth that would be impossible to transcribe into writing. Like, like, yeah, I don't know what they would say. not for a podcast. Yeah, seriously. And before I get to the next question, you know, when I, when you think of the song, there's the, Taking this back, um, when Outcast Hey Ya came out, I remember there was a critic that wrote something about how the song is actually like a series of incredibly catchy moments that stick in your head. So it's this incredible earworm song. So like you think of the Shake It Like a Polaroid, you think of the Claps. It's like you think, all hooks. It's, it's just like incredible one hook after the other, but it's also an incredible song that holds together as one mm. song, not just a bunch of hooks. And that's when I think of your song, I'm like, there's all these moments that are mm. like earworms and hooks, but at the same time, it all works as one full song. You know what I mean? Oh, right. interesting. Yeah, I, I think yeah. there's a balance of like, you want to eat your vegetables, but you also want <laughs> yeah. the dessert, right? The dessert is the 
the catch. How's it going again? Yeah. And without <laughs> yeah. the dessert, you probably wouldn't notice it the first time, but you do want some kind of broccoli. You want some kind of substance yeah. there yeah. to tie it all together. And, and, yeah. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, yeah. I was saying not to like toot our own horn or brag or anything, no, but toot. I think you're just describing a hit song. Mm-hmm. Every single like <laughs> huge hit is... There's the verses. The verse is so catchy. The bridge is so catchy. The chorus is so catchy. Yeah. Oh, but it works together as yeah. a song. You could make that case for every single hit song. Well, there are some songs that are a bunch of like moments, but doesn't really work as a full song. Mm-hmm. Where you could like just break it down to like you know just the lyrics and you know the basic song and played instrumental, and right, your right. song would still hold up. Other songs that have a bunch of hooks and production bits and pieces would not necessarily hold mm-hmm. up. Can song. you give us an example? Let's <laughs> yeah, okay. trash some people. Bad songs. Moving on to the next question. So. When you were here last time, uh, last January, you guys were talking about putting songs together in your living room. Mm-hmm. Um, is that still how you do things, or is it more like, no, we're on the road and we do things in a bus? Yeah, no, we still do everything in the living room. This Sober Up was a very specific uh, circumstance, because we were out on tour and we had nothing to do, so we said, let's just write a song. But uh, basically, every single thing was written and recorded and produced in the living room. And I don't really see us moving away from that anytime soon. Yeah. It's it's the best possible, most creative environment we could be in because no one is rushing us. No one is stressing us to pay or finish a song or, or anything like that. And it's just home. So it yeah. just feels the most comfortable to us. That makes sense. Yeah. And, you know, you mentioned the, the how's it go again part. Like, is, mm-hmm. how fun is that now that you're out on tour? Like, just have people yell that at you. I'm That's fun. There's such a, there's a funny story behind that because we, we whenever we write songs together, we, we kind of, we, we know who came up with what line. And it's it's very collaborative. And how's it go again is the one thing that I could sw- could have sworn I came up with it. And he swears he came <laughs> up with it. That I came and up there's with no that. way to settle this debate. And we're never going to let up, you well, know. Luckily, yeah. all three of you share songwriting. Right, it. exactly. <laughs> I'm never gonna gonna let this up. It's, it's definitely me. No, but anyway, that is the very a very cool thing to uh, to shout back. And it was one of these moments when we were writing it that we just needed filler in that mm. space because it goes dun 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 before the before the next verse kicks in. What do in. we do here? And the first thing either one of us just said was, "How's it going?" Yeah, it was just, one of you said that. Right. I'm not gonna say either one of us. When, when was, I said it, it was just like a stroke of lightning. <laughs> <laughs> um. Uh. Well. Uh, Oh yeah, I was. Well, I was just gonna. Actually, we already brought this up. I think Adam brought up yeah, the yeah, fact yeah. that like things have changed. Like you feel the the audience change. How did on you tour. know that's what he meant from him going? Hey, we're yeah. Yeah. Because you realized he stepped on my question. Oh, <laughs> I realized there was a certain flow, and I stepped all. Over I was like, the, is there a secret language that we don't know? <laughs> but yeah, there's that. Too. Okay, <laughs> it's called a list of questions. Um, if we go out in the in the cubicles and hear people going, hey, man, hey, man. it's like a weird billboard language. Yeah. When, you, when we sit next to each other all day long, it just becomes yes. a hey, man, hey, man. Yeah. Yeah. It works though. Heck, make a lie, make a hiney ho. Um, anyway, no, uh, I would imagine like on tour, is this become like the finale song? Is it the closing song? Do you put it into the middle of the set? Do you start the show with it and get the huge current <laughs> out of the way? This is in the middle of the set, Ooh. right smack in the middle. Week is still the ending. Um, and I feel like Sober Up is slowly, I don't know if it's uh, beating Week as the most popular song, yeah. but it's definitely catching up. Mm-hmm. I think we're just doing it based on what feels like a finale rather than what's our most popular song. Yeah. And Week right. really feels like the anthem. Yeah. And we, we saw Justin Timberlake. Oh, were you going to say yeah. that? We saw him in Australia, and that concert like really changed our whole perception of what a concert could be. Because the whole stage... like moved over the audience through the arena yep, and just kind of sparked in our minds wow you can do crazy stuff on stage you know um, and he ended with Mirrors I think right, right. which isn't his biggest that hit that wasn't his time. biggest hit but it felt like such a finale it was epic. like yeah. epic exactly this night has been so epic and so we want to capture that feeling um, well looking ahead you know to the future you know, after the success of Sober Up does this sort of change anything you know for you guys like you know 
going into the next album or is it kind of like things are working great the way we're doing it now why change <laughs> that, that, that's a good question yeah, a good yeah. i mean sober up we were already able to open up to a lot of other audiences but people reached out to us about doing remixes for sober up on a level that we never would have mm. expected before this Kanye. so <laughs> oh i mean close <laughs> um there's a there's a Steve Aoki remix of it coming out. Yeah. Lana Del Rey. <laughs> yeah, just throwing names out. I don't know. But Steve Aoki. Steve Aoki. Yeah. <laughs> so he is doing a remix. I think he actually played it last night for the first time in a Red Cross event. I don't know if you saw oh, this, but on his Snapchat he posted the Sober ah. Up remix. Oh, that's awesome. Um, yeah. So that's kind of like opening us up to a whole another audience. Like to go back to your question about who's coming to our shows. Crazy. Like who knows that could go on, on rhythm radio and we never would have expected to go there dance club songs charts yeah exactly yeah, exactly dance charts. Get, get someone working your promo to the dance clubs all right yeah want to set that up for us yeah. that'd be great sure get, get me in touch with your people okay. and my people will talk to your people and all the people will make it the people happen okay yeah but to go back to your question like we are open to reaching as many people as possible right and whether it's a remix or working on new material and i mean who knows? I mean, we might have another album at the end of this year or next year. We'll we'll see, depending on how the writing is going. But um, we want to just reach as many people as we possibly can. And, you know, we don't want to rush you because obviously the click is still making waves. But, yeah. like, what are you thinking about? Are you are you constantly writing? How does the, the next album go for you? We actually just started writing yesterday. yesterday. Oh, wow. We said to each other... Now marks the first time we start writing for the new album. Yeah. Wow, and it's and really then, just and it was very anticlimactic because yeah. we were like, we're gonna like go on the internet and find like really exciting samples and start working, and then the the Wi-Fi didn't work in the hotel, and we were just kind of like sitting there. It was pretty anticlimactic. <laughs> oh, like, right? Yeah, we probably side. shouldn't have started writing. Yeah, <laughs> but um, I think just our goal is always to surprise people. Um, we never want to be the band that puts out two singles in a row and it's like, oh, that one sounded like the the last mm. one. That's very unexciting to us. So whatever we end up doing for the next album, it's going to end up surprising. When does this podcast come out? Next month. Next month. Mm -hmm. Okay. So um, we have a new song, actually, that as of this podcast will have just come out. Nice. um, And it's called Burn the House Down. And it's going to alternative radio because, you know, we don't want to leave people hanging at alternative radio while we're going to other formats with Sober Sober Up. up. So we have this song that's going to be going and it's coming out. As of today, it's coming out this Friday. So by the time the podcast yes, comes out, that's awesome. Well, you will have heard it by the time yeah, you hear the time, this podcast. By the time you hear this, you'll have heard it already. Amazing. Well, thank you so much for coming in today, and good luck with the rest of the tour. And thank we'll you. see you next year when you have your next hit under your belt. Oh, thank, <laughs> thank you so much. Yeah, you used to let it go. Walk into the show, gawking at the tricks of your sleeve. Too good to be truthful. I'm in a room full of entertainers and thieves. You used to let it go. Thanks again to AJR. It was it's always really nice to speak with them. Um, they were just the nicest bunch of guys. They really are. I mean, I guess we shouldn't be surprised that they're all super nice since they all grew up in the same household. Yeah, they're brothers. <laughs> they're I mean, brothers. I mean, and we and oftentimes we will say, "Oh, they were so nice," but and we mean that every time we say it. But they're genuinely really yeah, nice guys. Like to real talk to. people. You, you felt like you would actually like. I was like, "Oh, we could probably just continue this conversation after the you know the tape stops rolling." Yeah, exactly. Just, you know, like get lunch or something. Yes. And now it's time for the chart stat of the week. This week in 1985, the all-star charity song "We Are the World" hit number one on the Billboard Hot 100. 
The track, which was billed to the artist USA for Africa, was written by Michael Jackson and Lionel Richie, and it topped the list dated April 13th, 1985. It spent a total of four weeks at number one. Now, the song was recorded on the night of the American Music Awards in 1985. That's back when the AMAs were actually held at the early part of the year, not in November. Mm. Um, it was actually at the end of January. Enabling dozens of A-listers to hop on the track together in the same studio at the same time as they all happened to be in town together for the AMAs. Perfect. It makes total sense. Mm. Uh, the song's guest list reads like a who's who of not just pop music in 1985, but, well, of all time. Um, aside from Richie and Jackson, the track boasted Bruce Springsteen, Billy Joel, Diana Ross, Tina Turner, Bob Dylan, Stevie Wonder, Bette Midler, Paul Simon, and many, many more. According to United Sport of Artists for Africa, which is the sort of uh, overarching foundation charitable arm thing that runs USA for Africa, the worldwide sales of We Are the World has generated more than $60 million assisting Africa and Africans affected by the famine and other critical issues uh, since 1985. So there you have it. This week in 1985, We Are the World topped the Hot 100 chart. You know, I was thinking as I was reading that, um, I think they were able to get so many people on the track because it was a really kind of novel thing. Mm. Like the concept of a charity song with a bunch of huge stars on it was not something that we did often. Mm -hmm. Um, At least I don't think. I mean, what had happened shortly before that was... um, uh, do they know it's Christmas mm-hmm. Band-Aid yeah. and that kind of kind of helped kind of sp- sp- get this moving because everyone was like look at what they did we can do that too yeah, yeah. Um, because before we had like charity concerts like we had the concert for Bangladesh in the 70s that George Harrison put together but not something where it was just one song with like 50 different voices yeah um, and then of course after that we got things like Hands Across America and like a bunch of other charitable things and we even got um, an anniversary edition of We Are the World 25 years after, mm-hmm. which Justin Bieber was on, among some other folks. Yes. But um, we'll always remember the original We Are the World in 1985. And goodness, if you just watch that video, it is such a time capsule. That's what I was going to say. When you said like that it's, uh, you know, like the A-list of all time, like I watched it when I was probably more like 15 or 16 in the 90s and could still name everybody. And I feel like people who pay attention to pop music history a little bit could still watch it today and pick out like i think so 95 percent of the people i think so i I mean if if you're if if you're kind of as you said paying attention to pop music yeah um you'll recognize some of the faces because a lot of those faces are still on tour right now making albums and are still some of the most critically admired people there's that guy who hosts american idol lionel richie like that judges i I should say ryan seacrest was not oh yeah (laughs) judge judge. what are you talking about (laughs) um well we've reached the end of our show any parting words well did i I forget something you're like oh oh yeah it just seems like wow it's done well it's because we combined the new stuff that you do with chart stuff with me because everything was so intertwined it just worked out that way yeah i like it it's very organic um so no parting words uh no what should we go out on though what song well Good golly. Right? Um, Do we just do We Are the World since no one's actually heard it? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Well, we'll see you guys next time. (laughs) Bye.
Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.